today on Growing Through Grace. Notice that Paul said to these men, you take care of yourself and you take care of the flock, but know this, there are wolves, savage ones, that are longing to get in to destroy God's people. You're listening to Growing Through Grace with Pastor Jack Abelin of Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California. And as we find ourselves at the beginning of the week, today and tomorrow, we finish up this mini-series taken from the book of Acts on Paul's meeting with the Ephesian elders. Now, this study on Paul's counsel to these early church leaders has proven to be very practical and helpful for us today, both as leaders and members of the church. So here's Pastor Jack. All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter 20 as we continue our study. In fact, we're going to finish chapter 20 tonight. Verse 29, Paul goes on and he said this, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now Paul begins to warn these men of the enemy that they face, and he begins with the pressure from outside the church. Notice he uses the words from, without. One of the responsibilities of every, I think, any pastor is that they should be well aware of what is blowing around in the world around the church. The cults, the the trends, the latest winds of doctrine that are blowing to deceive. There There are a lot of things that tend to latch onto the church that aren't biblical, but they're identified with the church. Unfortunately, they usually begin on the West Coast. So by the time they get to the East Coast, people go, yeah, we saw that coming. But we don't. We're right in the middle of it, right? It tends to start here. But I think any good shepherd would check the fields and the canyons for wolves in hiding before bringing a a flock into graze. And there's a a lot of um, spiritual, I think, opposition that you and I face as Christians that are lurking outside the walls of the church. Here's Paul's description of them. They are savage Wolves. Those are pretty strong words, right? They are unmerciful. They are unsparing. They want to devour the sheep. And and Paul was sure. Notice what he said. I am sure. I know that by the time I leave here, and Paul was a pretty good warrior for this church, I know that there will be people trying to get into the church from outside the church that will not spare the flock. One of Satan's ploys that you always discover in the scriptures is wherever God sows wheat, Satan comes to sow tares, right? And tares, if you've ever seen that, and on our trip to Israel sometimes, when they're in that time of year where the wheat is, is around the Sea of Galilee is growing, tares and wheat are almost indistinguishable when they begin to grow until they begin to bear fruit. And then tear fruit is very dark. It's black, in fact, in the middle. It's unedible. It's, it's not good for you, whereas the wheat would give you life. They become very clear when they blossom. But until they do, you can't almost tell them apart. And so the Lord uses that, that, that illustration there in Matthew chapter 13 about you know, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sows good seed in a field, 
But while the men slept, the enemy comes and he sows tares among the wheat. Sits them into the church. Comes from without and it's planted within. And when the men come and say to the owner, shall we try to pull it up? Where does this come from? And the, the owner says, the enemy has done this. Well, should we try to uproot it? No, no, no. Because in trying to pull them out, you're probably going to uproot some of the wheat as well. Just let them grow together until the harvest. And then we'll separate them and the tares. I mean, the wheat can go into the barn and the tares can be burned in the fire. But the Lord used that as an example of, of the church's life. That, that you and I, as, as God's people in, in a local fellowship, are, are, are going to be targets for the enemy in, in seeking to draw you away from the, the simplicity of the scriptures that you should learn and, and feel comfortable in. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, be careful of wolves that come to you in sheep's clothing. If they came to you in wolves' clothing, you'd never fall for it. You know, the old what big teeth you have, Grandma, that wouldn't work. So it, it is the deception uh, or the looking like a sheep that that they use against you to try to weasel into your life and draw you away. It's an interesting picture, though, of the, the, the wolf and the sheep, right? It, it's a picture of the battle for men's heart. It's, a, it's an imagery of, of the savage nature of the enemy, that he would like to just tear up a sheep. And notice that Paul said to these men, you take care of yourself, then you take care of the flock. But know this, there are wolves, savage ones, that are longing to get in to destroy God's people. And we've seen it. You know, one of the best ways to identify a wolf is to see what he's eating. Because sheep, they eat hay. <laughs> and they eat straw. Wolves eat sheep. So you right away go, well, that's a sheep eater, right? This guy wants to destroy the people of God. He is a harm. The wolf comes not to feed, but to fleece the flock. He comes not to give, but to feed himself. So Paul says to these elders, be on the lookout. Be careful. Watch out. When Timothy would come to this church a few years down the road, Paul would send him here to pastor this Ephesian church. He would write to him in, in two letters, but the first one was really advice to a young pastor. He was maybe 40 years old when he took the pastorate there. And he said it to, them in, to him in chapter 4, the Spirit expressly tells us that in the last days, some people are going to depart from the faith, they're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, they're going to speak lies to you from their hypocrisy, their own conscience is going to be seared with a high heart iron, they're going to forbid you from marrying, command you to abstain from certain foods which God has prepared for you to be received with thanksgiving. And he goes on and on. He begins to lay out these folks that are traveling the country that were attacking even the Ephesian church, coming with doctrines that were not biblical at all. But they were stealing from the, the church not only the grace of God and the peace of God, but, 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 but good instruction. He ends in that letter to Timothy by saying, I think verse 6 of chapter 4, if you instruct the brethren in these things, if you warn them about these things, then you're going to be a good minister of God. And you're going to nourish your people in the, in the words of faith and good doctrine that you have been careful to follow. Tell them the truth. Let them be strong, right? Give them things where they can stand on their own two feet. A good shepherd will, will warn the flock about false teachers, seducing spirits, the doctrines of demons, and they always are floating around the church door. 
We have seen over the years, and the church here has been here for 33 years, we have watched people leave the church here from time to time, caught up in very bizarre and yet very new kind of movements, not good movements, new gospels, they say. I'm glad that there hasn't been too many. But, you know, there was this, there, there, there's some moving, if, if you're at all in tune with, with what's going on, there's some pretty strange stuff being taught in the name of the Lord. And if you don't know your Bible, you can get caught up pretty easily in the emotions and in the, and in the goosebumps and the music and, oh, I want to be a part of that. But if you just look at the doctrine, you go, wait a minute, it's not God-honoring at all. And so we're in this battle, right? And, and the way we head it off is we try to teach you the whole Bible, simply, honestly, word for word, chapter by chapter, book by book. It ought to be something we can stand behind. But there is always this twisting and this turning and... I believe that we haven't lost so many folks to that because we have a bunch of very godly elders here who are men of the word, who are rightfully able to divide it, and I think that protects us. But, but the early church was blitzed by uh, tear solars. If you read Peter's letter, and he, and he wrote it a bit later, chapter 2 of Second Peter, he devotes an entire chapter to nothing more than to be careful of and to identify false teachers. We've had an awful lot of false teachers blow through um, our country, grabbing up thousands of people in their wake. Um, But it's a battle for the truth. You know, 40 years from when you're reading this forward in history, the Ephesian church would still be around. Jesus will write to these seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. And he will say of this church, that they are doing many things well, but they have left their first love, that they have gotten away for, from what has driven them, right? What, what used to motivate them, the love of God. They've gotten away from that. They don't have that anymore. That, that's the big falling away. But if you continue to read through Revelation 2 and 3, the, the spirit of church was in big trouble. There, he, calls, he calls some of the people in the spirit of church, you belong to the synagogue of Satan, to the church who's become infested with these false doctrines. Uh, the Pergamus church in, in chapter 2, I think verse 14, was struggling. They have the Balaam doctrine, and they're hanging on to that. Many people caught up in, in, in immorality in the church, and they were being lectured by the Lord. To, come back to the reality of the truth, or you're going you're to find yourself without a light to walk in at all. The Thyatira church in chapter 2, verse 20, was, was heading downhill really quickly. And if you go and read some of the things that the Lord talks about, the, you know, that you have a woman named Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, who's seducing the church, and, and people are, are following her teaching. Man, that was, that was just, you know, 100 A.D. That's only 50 years down the road now. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't fo- so far away. I mean, like I said, we've been here 33 years. Imagine just 10 more years, and that's where we're at. How horrible would that be? So all of these young Asia Minor churches were under the attack from the wolves of hell. And Paul, with a heart for the people, says to these men, be careful. The battle is inevitable. You're going to have to be fought by the shepherds who know the word of God, and they're going to have to be able to defend it. In fact, Paul will say the same thing down in verse 31. I I remember that I, for three years, didn't cease to warn every one of you night and day with tears. This This is happening 
and, and we should be ready for it. And, you know, I, well, we can talk about it in a minute about naming names and pointing to specific ministries. Um, Paul says, first of all, that they come from without. Second of all, verse 30, he says this, and also from among yourselves men will rise up. They will speak perverse things, and here's their motivation, to draw away the disciples after themselves. More than one false prophet has gotten their start in the body of Christ. More than one false prophet has gotten a foothold in a church and then began to draw people after themselves, using their position, their influence, their friendships. And it was like that in Ephesus as well. Look, Paul had founded this church. He had established it. He had trained its leaders. He would eventually send Timothy here. Later, John the Apostle would be the pastor of the church in Ephesus. This was a big church and a huge influence, and one that you can look to. But from the, the day that it began to rise up, there were people already in the church, and Paul will mention some of them, who came out of this fellowship longing only to have an agenda that would gather people to themselves. They're wolves, but they're wolves from within. There's wolves from without, and then there's wolves from within. Let me go back to that letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy, that you have in your Bible. This is what Paul wrote about that in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy. I urge you when I went to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus that you could charge some that they teach no other doctrine, that they don't give heed to these fables and endless genealogies which are causing dispute rather than godly edification which is of faith. The purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith, which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they confirm. One chapter later. Be diligent to present yourself, Timothy, as a man approved of God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. Shun profane, idle babbling, for they are increasing to ungodliness, their message is spreading like cancer, of whom are Hymenius and Philetus, also of that sort. They have strayed from the truth. They say that the resurrection is already past. They're overthrowing the faith of some, but nevertheless, the sure word of God stands. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. One chapter later, having an important form of godliness, they deny the power of God. Of these men turn away. Of this sort they creep into households. They make captive gullible women filled with sin. They lead away them by their various lusts. They are ever learning, never coming to the knowledge of the truth, such as Jambres and uh, Janus and Jambres resisted Moses. So these are always resisting the truth. They are men of corrupt minds. They disapprove the faith. They will proceed no further. Their folly will be to manifest to themselves and to all who they are. They have carefully, but you have carefully followed my doctrine and manner of life and purpose and faith and long-suffering, so love and walk in perseverance. He says this to Timothy, I charge thee, Timothy, according to the prophecies given to you, that you fight a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, their, their faith has been shipwrecked, and then he names again Hymenius and Alexander, whom I've delivered to Satan that they may, not learn, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Those are some pretty harsh words to the same church and now the leader that Paul has left there. And, and he warns Timothy very clearly and very succinctly, take care of the flock. There are people in the flock 
who are there for the wrong reasons, teaching the wrong thing. They're ruining people's lives, and you as a shepherd have to take care of the sheep. Now, let me point out a couple of things. Sometimes people say, or we get letters say, hey, have you talked about, you know, this guy in the pulpit, or have you mentioned this guy? And I, to be honest with you, used to do that, and I don't do it anymore, and the reason is uh, I'll let God do that. I, I think the best way I can protect you from false doctrine is teach you the right doctrine. We also don't bring up the Book of Mormon to teach that to you so that you'll be ready when it comes up. You just know the Bible, and everything else will look very clear. Hold your Bible in, in one hand, everything else can fall before it, right? So th- that's our first approach. Second of all, Paul's mentioning of names is always done in a, con- in a context of a local fellowship. He doesn't just, you know, they didn't have guys that, that were known the world over as we have today. But, but there were folks in churches that were just despicable and, and horrible and, and caused great suffering. And so Paul, when he dealt with that church or that region, like we just read, will mention by name folks who have a reputation for being those kind of folks and troublesome in the church. And so he was willing to take that stand. He taught the scriptures more than anything. But, but he, he called upon Timothy to fight the battle spiritually for, for the hearts of the people, that they wouldn't go astray. He, he'll point out specific error. He calls on the local body. You know, I was, I was thinking the other day, we had, we, just a couple of days ago, we, we had the anniversary of the, the Jonestown disaster. You remember that? Some of you probably do. You know, Jim, Jim Jones came from a, a fundamental church. He grew up in a, in a Sunday school with a Sunday school teacher, and he went to Guyana in Jonestown. You remember, he led the People's Temple, and on December, no, no, November 18th, but 1978, I believe, uh, he led 909 people to drink cyanide and kill themselves. And out of those 909 people, 304 of them were children. This was a, a loony guy. It would have been good for someone to go to stand up and go, that Jim Jones is a nutcase. But no one knew until it happened. So is it unloving to mention people by name? I, we had a guy a couple years ago write a book about how he decided there was no hell in the Bible. And I mentioned him by name because he's a fairly well-known guy around the Calvaries. And his book was out there and he was on Fox pumping it and a couple of other places. So I just, I just one day said, you know, this guy's a knucklehead. Because um, I don't want you to buy into that. The Bible talks more about hell than heaven. So the warnings are there. But I try to stay away from individualizing unless it's local. If it's local, we'll deal with it. Um, if, if it's national, it's a little bit more tough than, 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 than we can, can tackle because we're, we're, we don't have enough personal information, nor do you have enough you know, a relationship with these folks to, for it to matter to you. But, but, but look, there's a lot of merchandising and misleading of the church, um, and God is interested. He purchased it with his own blood. That's what we read. It's a valuable commodity. You are valuable to the Lord. You know, my, my fear should be as a pastor, whatever I say to you better be right, because you belong to God, ultimately, right? That you're his property. You're his kids. You're his people. So God forbid that I mislead you. But, but Paul, when he spoke, he spoke from personal first-hand knowledge, and he, he, he spoke in the context of there being someone there that could do something about it. When Jude wrote his little letter, the short one towards the end of your Bible, he, he said to, to those he was writing to, I wanted to write to you about our common salvation, and I want you to earnestly contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, because men have crept in unaware. 
who, who for centuries have been marked in their condemnation. They're ungodly men who are turning the grace of God into lewdness, and they're denying the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to contend for the faith. So we have a responsibility to contend for the gospel, each one of us, with whoever we speak to. But when it comes to the oversight of the churches, I think our best strategy is to teach the truth. If you know the truth, man, the lie looks pretty obvious. So that's, that's I think, your best equipped. When, when you hear something, you go, well, that's not in the Bible. Well, that's not right. How do you know that? Because you know God's word, right? And you have God's spirit. And then, and then you're safe. But be careful just not jumping on every bandwagon. It, it, it should, I should just tell you, it's also the reason I, I don't do very much political stuff. And unfortunately, we just had an election, and we had a lot of people write, hey, are you going to mention this guy or this candidate? And I no, I won't do it. Because he's not Jesus, or she's not Jesus. So they're liable to mess up, and then I'll look like an idiot. Yeah, I supported that idiot. If I'd only known, I don't know. I just know Jesus needs to be preached. And if, if enough people walk with the Lord, we'll have the right leadership and oversight, because God blesses a people and a nation who, whose God is the Lord. So... You know, you can preach your political candidates, and I'll preach my Savior and Lord, and, and, and he'll have a greater effect, I think, in the long run. Plus, you don't really care what I think about that anyway. And, and you shouldn't. Um, but notice that Paul warns about people coming from the outward, right? And then rising up from the inward, from, from within. Uh, when, when Jude wrote that little letter about, again, false teachers, he said of, of their effectiveness, they... They are spots in your love feasts. <laughs> in other words, they're, they're at the picnic with you. They're at the communion with you. They, they, they feast with you without fear. They serve only themselves. They are clouds without water. They, they promise, but they can't deliver. They're carried around by the wind. There's no stability in their lives. They're like autumn's trees without any fruit. They are twice dead, plucked up by the roots, Raging waters on the seas, foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars, and for them is reserved the darkness of, of, of well, how does it go with those darkness, the blackness of darkness forever. I think that's how it goes. So, we definitely need to be on guard against those who would come in. You know, Absalom, David's son, sat at, sat at his father's gate for months, chiding his father's leadership, and saying to people, well, if I was in charge... Here's what I would do. My, my father apparently doesn't care about you. And he just sat and, 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 he, and he threw it in the people's face and eventually they joined him in seeking a revolt against David's throne. Notice here that the weapon used by the false teachers is a perverse speaking. They speak perverse things. The word perverse by definition means to be twisted, right? So they take the word of God and they, they, they twist it. And with that thought, we'll stop there for today and pick up the balance of Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 38, the next time we're together. This has been the first half of a two-part study taught by Pastor Jack Abelin. If you'd like to get the entire message, we do have that available for you. All you need to do to order, simply contact us and ask for study number 3079. That's always helpful for us to know the radio station that you're listening to, so be sure to mention those call letters when you get a hold of us. The same challenges that seek to hinder the church today were common in the Corinthian church back in Paul's day. In his letters to the Corinthians, he addressed such issues as politics, immorality, lawsuits, marriage, worldliness, and spiritual gifts, just to name a few. In working through these timely books, Pastor Jack analyzes Paul's biblical answers to each of these problems 
in light of today's church. And we're offering Pastor Jack studies through both the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians from our Know the Book series on MP3. They're available in either CD or USB format. So if you'd like to order the 1st and 2nd Corinthians MP3 or to get today's study, simply dial our toll-free phone number at 866-88-GRACE. That's 866-884-7223. You can also order by mail. Just address your letter to Growing Through Grace, P.O. Box 1954, Whittier, California, 90609. And as always, we have this resource and all kinds of other things available online at growingthroughgrace.com. That's growingthroughgrace.com. Now here's Pastor Jack with a special announcement about a trip that he's leading coming up September 23rd through October the 3rd of 2024. Hi, this is Pastor Jack. I want to tell you about an exciting trip that we are planning here at the church for next year with some of our radio listeners as well. We're going to walk in the footsteps of Paul. We'll be going over to Greece to look at such places as Athens and Corinth, over to Turkey to see the ruins of Ephesus, to Patmos where John wrote the book of Revelation, as well as taking a three-day Aegean cruise. So I hope you'll join us. We'll be ending our trip in Rome, looking at the Colosseum and the Forum, the catacombs and the Mamertine prison. It's gonna be a great time of learning and getting to know each other. We hope you'll join us and so we can get to know you as well. For more information, you can turn to inspiredtravel.com and then look for the Morningstar Footsteps Tour. Or you can call Inspired Travel at 714 area code 9578606. That's going to wrap up our time together today. We do thank you for being with us. So until next time, as you daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ, may you continue to grow in His grace. Growing Through Grace is a listener-supported ministry brought to you by Morningstar Christian Chapel in Whittier, California, the Calvary Chapel Outreach.